Coming up, the Brooklyn Nets fall on the road 106-98 to the San Antonio Spurs. No Kyrie Irving. And really, though, still no room for excuses to lose to one of the lesser teams in the NBA. We break down the inconsistencies, the sloppy play, and the decision-making from Jacques Vaughn as this game unfolded. All coming up next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, yes, my friends, it is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, for better or worse, every single day. I'm Adam Arbeck, breaking down the New York football giants on the One Giant Podcast with my boy Andy Mack, not shown here today or heard, is going to be one Doug Norrie, owner-operator of DFSR for all your daily fantasy sports rankings from DraftKings to FanDuel. He's got you covered. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day, free on all those great platforms. And let you know today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. And where we start, friends, is a certain level of disappointment here, obviously. As the Brooklyn Nets, we said at the top, go on the road, lose 106 to 98 at the hands of a bad San Antonio Spurs team. Now, there's a lot of things inside of this game, obviously. You know, you can sit here and we can talk about the fact that you did not have any Kyrie Irving in this game. Obviously, we didn't have Ben Simmons in the matchup against OKC. And yet, when you look at this lineup for the Spurs, when you just think about what they are, a young team, a developing team, a bad team. I mean, you know, we can put it pretty plainly here, right? This is a team that comes in 13, sorry, now 14, yeah, 13 and 31 coming in, 14 and 31 now following this victory. And all the themes that we talked about leading up to coming out of those games, leading up to Boston, leading up to OKC, obviously with the Kevin Durant injury was, this feels like a team that is far better prepared to sustain an absence of Kevin Durant than they were a year ago. And again, when you don't have Ben Simmons against OKC and you don't have Kyrie Irving tonight, I don't think that I feel quite the, uh, as dejected as I would have. And Doug and I talked about this on last episode, but there's still not really a big excuse here to lose to a team like this. There's really not an excuse to put up 15 points in the first quarter and 17 points in the third quarter. You know, we're going to go over some of the things that went on here. We're going to talk about Ben Simmons' performance and, and what I liked about it. And it's not because I'm looking for silver linings here. And there are questions to be asked of Jock Vaughn. But early on in this game, the starting lineup is O'Neal, Harris, Claxton, Simmons, and Curry. And it's funny because, first of all, that, that unit obviously gets absolutely beaten up out there. Because you don't have anything. By the end of this game, by the way, Joe Harris only took three shots in total. And this is going to like kind of be the theme early in this one for me. So you have Ben Simmons, who I thought, listen, he went downhill, got that first bucket right off the tip, took it right to the hole, took 10 shots in this game. Again, they were not all pretty. They were not all perfect. I was very bullish around the idea that dunks are a great shot selection for him when he had that throwdown. He did follow that up by missing a throwdown in the fourth quarter of this game. 
But ultimately, the 10 rebounds, the 11 assists, the four steals, the two blocks, the seven turnovers, those were not acceptable for him. But, you know, we talked about you got to just go for it. You got to take those chances. You got to live with the results. It wasn't going to look pretty. We kind of alluded to that last episode, too, of you have to be willing to look bad in making the effort in order to eventually look good. Hey, two for two at the line, though. That looks smooth. So you had that going on early for Ben Simmons. Claxton gets into the foul trouble, so you really don't get any of him in this first half. And by the end of this game, you see how critical that would have been. We've talked so much about who's the third best player on this team and why Ben Simmons needs to grow and evolve and get better and get back to what he once was. Well, right now, Claxton is the third best player on this team. So taking him off the court, then all of a sudden you keep getting down deeper and deeper into where you're going to find the quality. And specifically, when you think about the bigs for this team, you needed him more than anything, even though Enzo ends up gathering four blocks in this game, I think, in total. They put him down for, yeah, four blocks in total, three in the fourth quarter alone. Um, you need him on the offensive end, as, as incredibly valuable as defensively. In a game like this, you need a big that can finish around the rim. You need a big. We saw some sequences where he was able to take a pass, give a little drop off, facilitate some things, and be respected defensively. So again, those are the, are the kind of the big two factors right at the top that hurt you. But Curry, who finishes 6-16, so you can kind of squint and think, oh, that was a decent game did a lot of that late in this one, and there was a part where his buckets did matter. But I got to be honest with you. When we talked about who should step into the starting lineup, not having Kyrie on the floor here obviously is an impact, not just for Curry, for everyone. But Curry just kind of looked lost out there for three and a half quarters. You know, We talked about how he can be a three-level scorer, but he's not comfortable being the ball in his hand in a game like this where you need him to kind of you know, score at three levels, also facilitate, not be a total disaster defensively. All of those things just seem to stack up in a way that he was taken completely out of his game very early in this one, one of seven from downtown. And normally, by the way, we'll talk about it later, but normally you might point to some of the stats and say, well, if just this, it's not one of those games. This was like, this was a disaster right out of the gate. Set it 15 points. You're down 27 to 15. Now you flip the script here, and we'll talk about these guys in a minute. They get you right back into this one, and then later discuss Jacques Vaughn. But it's kind of interesting to look at some of the guys. So Royce O'Neal gets brought in on the trade, so he's a newcomer. But even Joe Harris as well, right? Joe Harris is built to be a supporting cast member around superstars. It's why you have him here with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, once upon a time James Harden, right? It's for him to be able to set up, in those corners, get those open looks. So he's going to suffer in games like these. Even Royce O'Neal, who has defensive value far above Joe Harris, but his offensive value is so heavily tied to having a Kevin Durant and a Kyrie Irving on the floor there, providing that space, allowing him to be more effective, allowing him to use some of his physicality, one of four from beyond the arc as well. So it's a starting lineup that's a bit of a disaster. I don't know, you know, it's funny too, because specifically around Claxton and Simmons, when Claxton gets those fouls, it, it, it's a little bit of the spark that maybe gets Jacques Vaughn to go in a different direction. You know, the results can make you say, well, this shouldn't have been the starting unit, right? Because of how bad the starting unit plays. But I, I it did, it just did seem interesting to me, the choice of specifically Curry. And I don't know who you would have gone to otherwise. That's part of the problem here. 
if you wanted to go to a Warren in the starting rotation, is that over a Harris? Is it over an O'Neill? And then Edmund Sumner, and we're going to talk about the guys off the bench that did give you sparks here, but not consistent sparks, not, not sustained when it came to down the stretch of this game. How do you mix and match it? And it makes you wonder if Jock Vaughn is looking at it as, how do I not be too disruptive now? We've lost Kevin Durant. We moved Joe Harris into the starting lineup, back into the starting lineup. We use a Kyrie Irving. Okay, we'll move Curry in there. But pulling big bodies up into those rotations could have maybe been disruptive. But it's hard now when you lose a game like this to look back at it and say, oh, it could have been so easy as doing X, Y, or Z. But it's a frustrating loss. And it is one of those losses, when we think back to last year, where you do look at it and say, what are we supposed to do here? Because now all those little feelings, all those little concerns about sustaining do start come creeping back in here, even when you look back knowing that it was only a 15-point performance in Kyrie Irving in that game against OKC, right? And we've talked about, not this, this isn't a knock on Kyrie, but that he's a superstar that's only going to benefit from being just behind another better superstar. And it, it, was, it, it was just a dejecting night, man, all around. I'm sure that's the way most fans are feeling. Not going to go overboard here, but we are going to now talk about coming up in a second what happened in that second quarter, how this team got back into it, and why maybe it was frustrating when you came out of halftime with a strikingly similar approach from Jacques Vaughn. Before we do that, though, got to tell you about our friends over at Rocket Money. You know these folks, formerly known as Truebill. Over 80% of people have subscriptions that they forgot about. You've heard Doug talk about this. I'm going to tell you a little something about it. I doubled down. Sometimes I like an app so much that I'll go ahead and subscribe to it and start making monthly payments on multiple phones or TVs or whatever it may be. And then I turn around and yeah, there's that bill. $40 a month instead of $20. $15 instead of $7.99. Whatever the case may be, Rocket Money will quickly and easily identify your subscriptions for you so you can stop paying for the ones that you don't want. Rocket Money makes canceling subscriptions as easy as a click of a button. Simply find the subscriptions you don't want and press cancel. And Rocket Money will cancel it for you. No more long holding times. No more battling with customer service. Get it done fast and easy. Stop throwing away your money right now. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash locked on NBA. That's rocketmoney.com slash locked on NBA. Rocketmoney.com slash locked on NBA. All right. So coming out of that disastrous first quarter, foul troubles. And by the way, everybody from a big standpoint, you had Ben Simmons got into some foul trouble. You had Pirtle get into foul trouble uh, over on the other side for the Spurs. You had Collins. Basically, if you were a big, you were going to get hit with some fouls here. So there's a bit of a spark that happens in this one, though. And it bleeds over from one to the other. And Morris doesn't ultimately have a big role in this game. However, he does have a pretty nice moment when you have uh, Sohan coming down and knocking down triples, something that he doesn't do very successfully, but they go down in this game. And it looked like, first of all, and this is why it's funny, because Morris uh, has a difficult position offensively, gets kind of get caught in the wash there on the defensive end. He's not out there to close out the three-point shot. They get a little chippy going down the court, and then they get into a bit of a scrum as Morris goes ahead and sets a very hard screen, borderline not really a basketball play, not a dirty play, but he's like, hey, I'm going to send a message here to you. And as he is putting Sohan down, he gets pulled down as well. 
they mix it up. It ends up benefiting the Brooklyn Nets after fouls uh, and free throws and get and getting the possession there as well. But it was a nice moment to try to galvanize and spark this team. And in that second quarter, though, you end up getting TJ Warren, you end up getting Edmund Sumner, and you get yourself uh, some Cam Thomas as well. To the tune of 32 points between those three players in the first half of that game. And I will say that TJ Warren does feel built for a game like this when you are without Kyrie Irving. And instinctually, you're thinking backcourt, and you're thinking Seth Curry, and you're thinking three levels, and all of those things. But what you have to be thinking about is that you're losing a different type of dynamic scorer and playmaker in Kyrie Irving, and what you get with TJ Warren is a little more size, is more length, and he has the ability to get to his spots. Now, he only plays 24 minutes in this game. They mentioned on the broadcast, the minute count is there. The restriction is going to be there. It's going to be there for him. So when we talked about this when reconfiguring this rotation, it's hard to put him in the starting lineup and then not all of a sudden be running up against 24 minutes that much sooner late in this game. But you got to find a way to use him as effectively as possible. He gets 7 to 13, 5 to 6 at the line, 19 points in this game. Right, He's the high point man off the bench. He's the high point man for the game ultimately as well. It's just it's really hard to see where that production is and maybe just know that you can't go that route. Now, Sumner, to me, if we're looking at the proof being in the results and then being retroactive about it, and this is really what it comes down to. It's not about the starting lineup. This is about the second half because after you get this sample size, where Sumner gives you a good performance in the first half there, where he gets in and goes downhill, attacking at the basket. Not all of them fell, but guess what? It led to some easy putbacks. It led to some second-chance opportunities. It's someone who was going to give you that. Seth Curry wasn't going to be that guy in this game. We consider him to be a three-level scorer. He's not the same downhill, get-at-the-basket kind of guy that Kyrie Irving is or that even Edmund Sumner is to whatever success he's going to have. You got to lean into him more. 18 minutes in this game, it's not enough. And then you also have Cam Thomas. Now, Cam Thomas ends up playing 30 minutes and ends up giving you 16 points. Again, I'm not going to debate what it should have been to start the game because I never would have said Cam Thomas should be inserted into the starting lineup. But what I can tell you is that figuring out a way to maximize the value of the players that had success for you in that second quarter that got you back into that game in the second quarter need to be a bigger part of what you do to start the third quarter because the Nets put up 17 points in the third quarter. And we mentioned Joe Harris and we mentioned Royce O'Neal who had a, it was two of eight from the field for Royce. If I didn't say it earlier. And again, even though Curry looks a little bit better from a scoring standpoint by this one, he was just as bad in this game as those other two, three turnovers to go along with his performance, seven rebounds. It doesn't matter. You have to find a way in that third quarter to say, I finally get Claxton back on the court here after his foul trouble. And to be fair, I looked at it and initially said, maybe a blessing in disguise if you're Jock Vaughn, because in that early early stretch of the first quarter where things are clunky and ineffective, you need to find a way to get more value around Ben Simmons and to find a way to maximize Nicholas Claxton. And when you don't have Kyrie out there, I don't know if you need to, you know, you don't want to have those guys paired together too much. Now, at the start of the third quarter, there were some really nice sequences where Simmons was dropping it off to Claxton and he was finishing around the rim. But there were, but some of the stuff that works so well is when you got a Morris and a Warren in and around Simmons. Why? Because again, three level score in TJ Warren, that's great. And it, Morris wasn't terribly effective in this game, but he was on the court for some really good runs for Brooklyn. And he has enough size. His shot didn't go down. He only took, well, it actually took five shots, and a lot of them were ugly. Didn't uh, Two from the outside that didn't fall either. 
but he's he's a threat from the perimeter. And he also has the size. And you can put him in there and have him play a little pseudo five for certain stretches when you want to pull Ben Simmons out away from the basket or defensively switch those assignments up. Let Morris take on the slower big and let Ben Simmons go be more effective on some of these scores that were absolutely teeing off for stretches in this game for San Antonio. That sample size was there and it worked. You got to go back to it sooner. You got to find a way to put Claxton on the floor, maybe with a Sumner and a Curry, a Harris and O'Neal. You got to mix and match a little bit and you got to be willing to lean into it. And certainly Cam Thomas would have been an option there too. They all get in there in the third quarter. So it's not saying that they didn't, but again, you do it too late. And over the course of the second half, 32 points I mentioned for Thomas, Sumner, and Warren. So when you look up and you see that they finish with a combined 47, it wasn't nearly as impressive in the second half as it was in the first. Thomas faded a little bit there in the second half. So, you know, it, it, it's a push and pull. But it's, it, it's just a really hard pill to swallow in this one, given the opponent. Because I said, I said it from the onset before this game started. Still a game that Brooklyn should win. So the fact that they come up short is really disappointing. And I, and I don't know. We're going to talk some stats here a little bit. And just what the schedule looks like coming up. Where the areas of concern are. Who maybe needs to see a little bit more. Who disappointed in this one too, by the way. Just beyond some of the guys I named here. Watanabe. Disappointing. Really disappointing. Would have loved to have been able to lean on him for some minutes in this game, and you couldn't. Patty Mills next to nothing in this game. Not that you're you know looking to lean on him, but when you see Curry struggling, you know where do you go from there when you're already a relatively thin team at the guard and at the ball handling position on this roster? It was a frustrating game. It was a it was a frustrating game to watch in in, in a lot of ways. But ultimately, I do look at Jock Vaughn here and just saying. You, you know, the in-game adjustments need to be a little bit crisper. You got to find a way. And if it meant, you know, it's only 17 minutes for Joe Harris. So, I, again, he only put him in the rotation, but, you know, when needed. But at some point, I mean, Watanabe struggles here, but you know, push push Sumner a bit more. It's not a one-to-one, -one, but that's it. You got to mix it up. You got to switch it up somehow. You got to find a way to be a little bit more effective in this game and lean into something else. And, there, and frankly, maybe there wasn't enough options, and it's just a bad night. We'll talk about the numbers here, the things that I'm not going to allow to be a reason why they lost this game, just hanging it on one single stat, one key area. If only this thing had happened, then they could have. No, you were going to get beat tonight by the San Antonio Spurs because they played a more consistent style of basketball for four quarters while the Nets turned it off and on for two of those four. Before we do that, though, I'm going to tell you about our friends over at BetOnline.net. It's your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Remember, coming into this one, it was Brooklyn minus six, I believe, was the number. Of course, we didn't know Kyrie was going to be out, but you certainly could have taken an alternative line on that one and maybe made some money even in defeat. They got you covered, of course, over on Bet Online with all the odds and trends for every professional sport. We know the NFL is steaming along here. In the playoff picture, when that college season gets back underway for football, they also got their NCAA going there on the basketball court. Everything that you can think of sport-wise is going to be covered there. If you love sports podcasts, you can get those on Bet Online as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. 
So where we start when we talk about looking inside the numbers here? Well, the real place that we start is thanking everybody for making us your first listen of the day. And that's free on all those great platforms and for being in live over on YouTube. If you haven't been doing it, just as a reminder, we're live after every game, giving you that post-game discussion. You hear that old podcast that we're rolling through, and then we stick around for some bonus discussion as well. So you got to be over there turning on your alerts as well so you know when we do that. But when we go inside, let's let's just have some fun here over on the other side of the ledger. So when you look inside the Brooklyn Nets starting rotation, you got three guys in double digits. That includes Simmons, Claxton, and Curry. Again, Curry, sloppy, late play, minus 14 on this ledger here. A lot of guys are going to be in the negative when you lose a game like this. But they got some, again, three double-digit scorers off the bench. Flip that script, though, and you had four out of your five starters for San Antonio in the double-digit category. And, I mean, listen, letting Johnson just absolutely go off on you in this one. If you want to talk about frustrating things, and they said this all throughout the broadcast, here is a guy that's a young player, going to be a good player in the league, 11 to 26, so it's not like he was shooting the lights out. But boy, were there massive stretches in this game where he went ahead and just took the ball, head of steam at the basket, couldn't be stopped. Couldn't be stopped. Peppered in a couple of critical triples throughout this one in spite of being 3 and 11, 3 of 11 from the outside. Biggest stat, 11 of 12 at the free throw line. Absolutely murdered Brooklyn. And you weren't even talking about him in the first half. All of a sudden, he came on like a head of steam in the second half as if you didn't know that he was going to possibly be making plays for them. 6-12 from the field for Sohan, gave you 16 points, 12 for Pirtle, who again, when you look at you look inside of his final stat line, just 22 minutes, is nothing too impressive. But he found himself around the basket with some easy moments there for sure. Jones and Langford chipped in as well. Not Langford, excuse me. Jones chipped in across his 33 minutes. And, and, that, and this is really the tale of it, right? The second unit, the you know bench unit for Brooklyn, and it's all a lot of ro- rotating cast here. They stepped up to try to keep him in this game. The bench didn't need to do anything in this game for San Antonio outside of Richardson, who quietly over 27 minutes went four of nine and gave you nine points. But it was just a, just brutal. Just brutal. When we talk about the team stats, so here's the thing that I'm not going to tolerate having discussion around, and that's going to be the three-point shooting. No, none of those shots fell. Three of 23. Okay. And not all of them were great. Some of them were open and just didn't fall. Some bad looks, et cetera, whatever. There's two reasons why. One, because you lost this game for for five or six other reasons not related to that. And it was 7-34 to 34 from beyond the arc for San Antonio. So it was a bad shooting night from deep for both teams, 13% and 20%. That's the thing that dreams are made of. It doesn't matter. San Antonio only shot 38% from the field in this game, 37 and 97. We've talked about this before with Brooklyn, and obviously it matters more when everybody's in there and they're fully healthy. Nine more shots for San Antonio in this game. The volume matters here too. Why is the volume that much lower? Why are you being outshot by nine? Probably because he had 21 turnovers in this game. 16% Antonio, but sloppy, sloppy turnover. Stepping out of bounds, lazy passes. It just... just really lazy, lackadaisical play. They were even on fast break points. They won the points in the paint battle. They committed a few more fouls. It's just not good enough. And you know what else is, it, it, again, you expect this when Kevin Durant is gone. And then when Kyrie Irving is gone, things are going to look different. And by different, I mean they're going to look worse. But you really hate to see 22 assists on 37 made field goals, mostly because, and a lot of that was in the second half a bit more too, 
It's just you're looking. You're hunting for who's going to pick up the baton, who's going to make it happen here. And when you're shooting a bad percentage and they're not going down, if some of the three-point looks go, some of those numbers, assist numbers, are going to look a little bit better for you. But it's just you want this team has done such a good job, yes, with the superstars, but they've been in such a good job of being committed to making the second and third pass, to rotating the ball from one side to the other, to finding the pockets that they can have success in. And they just got away from it in this game. When you don't have your superstars, you want to be able to feel like you can lean into the fundamentals. And maybe that's the most frustrating thing in this game. You didn't execute the fundamentals. Do that as your baseline against a bad team in San Antonio, and you can win the game. Instead, you make a you know mess of that, and then you have to try to come back. Then you got to try to ramp it up. You got to try to figure it out. And by the fourth quarter, you're pressing. And then the little mistakes or a bad bounce here or there, and all of a sudden it doesn't go your way. The thing that I did want to close out on here, as we talked about Ben Simmons at the top, is, hey, he took 10 attempts in this game. That's a positive. And one of the things that, that's important that we've discussed what it can do for the team, but we haven't seen the sample size of it being done, is when you get Ben Simmons taking 10 attempts, and especially early in the game, right? Because he gets the first one to go, then he misses a couple, but he finds it again. You know, it's up and down for him as it's been on the offensive end. But what you notice is, and I just wanted to make the note that that those ten attempts, he last took ten attempts against Atlanta on twelve twenty-eight, and that was the only other time going all the way back to November twentieth when he took thirteen in that win over Memphis. So three times he's taken double-digit shot attempts this season. And that's the first time in January, just once in the entire month of December. But what you saw from that was when you're committed to it early and you go back to that well two or three times early in the first quarter, not three or four shots over a whole game, three or four shots over the first quarter. Now, when you came back around in that second quarter and on that run when Brooklyn was getting back into it, Instead of it being that draw that 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 defensive mentality of well, when Ben Simmons comes up the court, even when he darts in towards that lane, when he looks to go occupy the paint, it's all about getting rid of the ball, though. It's all about distributing it off. Now you have the defense backing up and saying, okay, if he's going at the basket, we need to respect that. Even listen, even if he's avoiding contact and he's not trying to go to the line, all that good stuff, fine. But we have to respect that that's a possibility. Then that opens him up being able to, bat, to put his back to the basket, back down a defender, try to get some looks that way throughout the course of the game. It also affords him to come up, take the paint, occupy that space, get the defense to sag and drop that off to teammates, set up others to have success in a different way, especially in the absence of Kevin Durant and tonight in the absence of Kyrie Irving. That's how you can get the defense to suck back into the lane and open things up. But if you don't start by being committed to a couple attempts, two to three attempts per quarter, then you're not going to get that step one that affords step two and step three. So all those things fall off of that. And we've talked about it. We just had yet to see it. So tonight was a good example where, yes, there is that path where you can do those things. And then you just have to stay committed to it. And then, yes, you do have to finish at some point. You have to finish around the rim. And he had that banger of a jam that he could not get to go down. And by the way, you know why it didn't? Because he was even timid on the jam. Not the one that he got. The second one in the, in the fourth quarter of this game. He was timid in throwing it down. It wasn't like one of those ones where you tried to rock it through and that's why it bounced off and got away. 
It was he almost just wanted to just get it just to go in there and gets it off back iron, flies out, and the play breaks down from there. This now marks, as we know, another loss for the Brooklyn Nets, their third straight here. And we'll just very, very quickly have this discussion. We're going to have the off day, and Doug and I will get back into this. We'll, we'll, we'll gauge where Doug stands because we said if you lose this game against San Antonio, there's going to be some real concern. The fact that Kyrie Irving doesn't play does make a difference in the way you look at this game, but it doesn't change where some of these areas of concern are going to be seen. But coming up, they obviously have the Suns. They're dealing with a lot from an injury standpoint. It hasn't been perfect for them by any stretch this season. And then you get Utah and Golden State. This is the start of that road trip that we talked about. They're going to close it out with uh, the 76ers before they get back home. So now you got four games. And you already would have said Oklahoma City, San Antonio, you should be winning those games. You know, the Boston game, you want to see how it went there. First one without KD. Good, great team in Boston, obviously. But you felt like you probably maybe should have won the last two heading into this stretch. Now, over the next four games, before you get home against Detroit, New York, and the Lakers, well, now you're looking at you guys say, hey, we, we got to maybe we gotta try to win three out of the next four here. Because what is even, you know, two out of the next four, maybe that's okay. But if you turn around and you're, and you're two and four, two and five, one and five in this post-Kevin Durant era over the next month, it's going to bring back all those same vibes from last year. And the supporting cast looks different. But the results right now in the short term have been the same. So they got to clean it up. And, you know, we said this yesterday when we were talking about our quote or quotes from some of the guys, Kyrie Irving, from Ben Simmons, from Jock Vaughn. You know, the cliche comments go out the window here a little bit. We've loved what Jock Vaughn has been as a head coach since taking over. We've loved the way he's talked about the X's and O's, the things they want. But now in the absence of Kevin Durant, if you start leaning into those, hey, you got to dig down deep. You got to find that fire. You got to lean into it. You got to do exactly what you've been doing, right? And that's what he said before this one, even for Ben. More of the same from everybody. No, you need a little bit more. And sometimes a little bit more is the consistency. If everyone is playing consistent to their roles, then the team can have success on a game-to-game -game basis. So now we get to look at John Fawn a little more critically here because we are going to get a big sample size without Kevin Durant at a minimum, and then we'll see as Kyrie Irving just, you know, listen, look like maybe it was just a rest day, which I'm a little, not really a big fan of. That That was the case. We'll assume he was nursing a little bit of tightness and needed the night off. We'll take it from here, though. Obviously, as I said, you can go ahead and get our podcast feed wherever you get those needs fulfilled. You can subscribe and like and rate and review it. You get over to YouTube, set your alerts, follow us there, because after these post-game podcasts, we stick around for a few minutes, as I will do tonight. To talk a little bit more, <laughs> commiserate a little bit more over the game that was not the way we thought it was going to be. And of course, also, as always, with no Doug Norrie here by my side, I simply say, I miss my friend and I can't wait until he's right back here so we can keep talking all things Brooklyn Nets basketball.